In this episode of South Carolina Politics, we have a phone interview with Zoe Warren, who's running for Lieutenant Governor here in South Carolina. Greetings, American patriots. Uh, Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share um, my message with you. Bob Sloan, thank you for the opportunity to be on your podcast. It's a great honor uh, to be able to share the message that I believe, uh, I mean, I think the message I have actually is very important for the nation, um, especially South Carolina, uh, because, you know, if we're going to have a national impact, we have to impact our local area first. And that includes our state. It includes how our agencies operate, because obviously, you know, all of our money's getting spent <laughs> and uh, all the bad things that we don't want happening get implemented um, by way of the local county and municipal and state level uh, agencies. So in any case, my, my heart is to share with the people what we need to do in South Carolina. I'm running for the lieutenant governor position. Um, I am running alongside of Harrison Musselwhite. My name is Zoe Warren, and I live in Lexington County. I was the third vice chair of the Lexington County Republican Party um, until December of 2021 when I resigned because I was asked to run alongside of Harrison Musselwhite. Um, Right now, Harrison is going into the primaries against uh, the incumbent Henry McMaster. And um, obviously, uh, I my heart is my hope is that you get to know him really well, but I also think that it's important for you to know who I am and how I will be supporting Harrison Muscle White and, and implementing things that I believe are really necessary uh, for our communities. And so with that said, I think that it's easy for us to forget that the people who we elect actually work for us. And I think it's a problem of philosophy. A lot of the people that get elected are people who, you know, they, they see themselves as God's gift to the earth, so to speak. Sometimes they act humble, like a false humility, uh, because it endears them to people. But really, they think they're smarter than us. They think they've been better trained than us. They're specialized. They've been to their colleges. They, they operate in different circles and societies that make them better suited, better fit to rule. And it's in my opinion that most of those people, they act very like almost like luminous intellectual um, or, you know, just almost like an aristocracy It's their inheritance. And this is what they were made to do. And so therefore you should just do what they tell you and uh, have a coconut smile, sit down and shut up and um, don't complain about the things that they do um, because they're doing what's best for the greater good. I think there's a lot of Republicans that fall in line with that, too. And there are in the executive branch in South Carolina right now. Um, and, and so that that produces a problem. And that problem is that um, everything in our country that relies on that central government top down strategy reinforces a sort of a psychosis. It's like a, a pathology. It's a wrong thinking. It's it's and it's a disease. That's affecting our republic. We don't have just any kind of republic. We have an American form of republic. It's a when it was formed, it was a brand new thing. It was straight out the cellophane. It had never been done like this before. Where we have dual federal systems. We got a national federal system, and then we got a state federal system. And they're supposed to be dual tracks, you know, and they have their jurisdictions. The state gave certain powers to the national government, and every other power 
that it did not give to the national government, it, re it retains itself. And so there should be two jurisdictions that don't bleed into each other that are superimposed sometimes. Uh, sometimes the state's over, sometimes the national government's over, but they're still dual tracks and they have their own jurisdictions. But what we have are a bunch of people who want to do things for the greater good. They, and so they think they need to be able to do it faster. And so they blur the boundaries of our republic. They, uh, the, the powers are separated by boundaries. And so, you know, you don't want executives or governors or presidents making laws. <laughs> you don't want judges making laws. You don't want legislators um, administering the law or, or executing the law. And you don't want, you know, uh, your executive branch condemning people as the judge, because then you end up with like that Roman style of republic where you got a, you know, an emperor and a Senate and they pass the judicial branch between them. <laughs> things like that. It gets really ugly when you start blurring the lines, but really that's what they want to do. They want to be able to do things so fast uh, because they think it's necessary. It needs to happen now. I thought of it, therefore it's good. And, it, and if I did this and it didn't have any impediment, it would be perfect. So let's just grow the national government and grow federal law enforcement. Let's just grow that behemoth so big that when Donald Trump gives an order that Zoe's son has to obey, that when Joe Biden gives an order that Zoe must take his guns and give them away, you know, they, they really want to be able to move that apparatchik uh, kind of relationship with our agencies very quickly. And, and they, they use money to coerce us to do that. Uh, they use corporations who they have given free land, uh, exorbitant amounts of tax breaks that we don't get as small business people or South Carolinians in order to coerce us. And it's almost a fascism light. It's almost a diet fascism. It's called corporatism. I mean, it's not as far in the tank as, you know, Mussolini's relationship with, <laughs> you know, with, with Italy, but the idea is that they still are using corporations. Like the corporations are under some form of government control and they bow to the will of a central or national government uh, desire, decree, whatever, um, and then they enforce that decree through their private corporation. So it's not really a private corporation anymore. Once it's got tax breaks, free land, um, you know, and the, the favor crony relationship of government, it's no longer really a private industry. It's not. It's a corporatist one. It's a fascist one. So sometimes the charges we're getting as Republicans from some of these Democrats, progressives like AOC and stuff, and they call us fascist. But sometimes they're not wrong. You know, I don't want to be in a fascist situation, but a lot of the folks that we put in place, uh, conservative, they call themselves conservative Republicans also, are beholden to that apparatchik. Why? Because there's money involved. I'll give you an example. I, um, I did a little work with the Guard um, against the vaccine mandates. And the reason why I did that work was in November when I found out they were not, um, you know, taking up any of the religious uh, exemptions or objections or, or medical ones even to um, the, the, the EUA vaccine, um, I got a little concerned. And so I looked into it. I read the, the case. I went into the federal case law and I found that there was a judge in a federal district court in Florida who had, I mean, he wrote it very clearly. He, he ruled that Pfizer nor the FDA were making the case that Comanarty, which is the FDA approved vaccine and the EUA uh, BioNTech one, they, no, the FDA 
nor Pfizer were trying to make the case that they were legally interchangeable. They never said that. Matter of fact, they said the exact opposite in the documentation. The federal government, the DOD, was lying to people in a misinformation campaign saying that they were legally interchangeable and therefore you had to take it or get punished. But they weren't providing any of the uh, actually FDA approved BLA compliant. That's what they call FDA approved. It's really called BLA compliant, biologic something, something. But um, the, the vaccines that they were giving out were not BLA compliant. They were not FDA approved. They didn't even have any on hand. They didn't manufacture any. And so they were making our guardsmen and our Air National Guardsmen take an emergency youth authorized vaccine and not telling them that they have the opportunity to opt out and even punishing them for not taking an emergency use vaccine. There was a, a Navy uh, officer who just actually won his board uh, when he, you know, rejected that command, which was an illegal command. It was an illegal order. And so anyway, finally, we're at like, what, May <laughs> going into, I mean, you know, and, and finally, the courts do something about it. But our, the people we have in place in the executive branch, South Carolina, they like that ability for the executives to do what they want fast. Tyranny happens fast. Justice happens slow. The vaccine mandate is a perfect example of that. The federal government can tell you to do something, uh, coerce all the people that's given money throughout the states, be it corporations or, or agencies or state, you know, um, branch. I mean, the executive branch of South Carolina, DHEC. I mean, the CDC coerced our very agencies through money. They, they, they coerced our hospitals through money to essentially assist in the murder and I say murder, and that's a big word. I believe it is. I believe if you deny somebody the opportunity to take something um, that they believe will help them and, and you deny physicians that don't agree with you the opportunity to come in and treat those patients, then, then you're actually complicit in the murder. We had citizens in South Carolina getting murdered under the watch of our executive branch and their agencies for money because if these medical facilities didn't do exactly what the CDC said, then they wouldn't qualify for the money. And because of that, uh, and, and some of the doctors were being threatened with losing their license from the association. So there's an entire movement of cronies that want to be, and I don't want to say God, they just want to be the ones who make the decisions for you uh, for the greater good. And they will, they will, they will kill you. They will separate you from your family. They will deny you um, treatment. And they will do all sorts of things. They will cause you to, to lose your job. They will deny your religious objections and medical objections. I mean, truly, if you're an air an airman, you fly planes, you fly for FedEx, you make $100,000 a year flying for FedEx, and you also fly for the Air National Guard. You've been doing it for 18, 19 years. Finally, COVID-19 comes around, and they get an EUA vaccine. After all this time you've spent away from your family serving your country, okay, now they're going to cause you to be separated from the military with letters of reprimand. You're not able to go and train. So therefore, you're going to be kicked out and you're not going to be able to retire. I talked to a woman just the other day. That is her exact story. She's about to be kicked out, can't retire because they would not submit to her medical objections nor her religious objections to the EUA vaccine. And you know what? If it, it, Because... Uh, Tyranny happens fast and justice happens slowly. That's why we have a executive branch. There is no way for me to fight the federal government. There's no way for Bob Sloan or anybody else to fight the federal government. 
Um, they, we, we pay the federal government. We give them lots of money to be very big. And so, therefore, we pay for them to be able to oppress us with a power that we can't resist, right? The only protection we have is at the state level. We also pay them. And the governor's job is to protect us from tyranny, even federal tyranny. He's the, he's the highest law enforcement officer in the state, to be honest with you. I mean, people say it's the AG, but it's really the governor because the governor can direct the AG. The AG can't direct the governor. The governor can direct the AG. He can direct any law enforcement brand, any law enforcement outfit in the state if there's violence being done to South Carolinians to stop that violence. So he really is, at the, at the end of the day, the buck stops with the governor. The judge is not the law enforcement officer in the state, but we have, we have executive branch people right now in office who really believe that the judge is the law enforcement branch in South Carolina. This is the way the law enforcement should work. If Bob Sloan sees Zoe about to break the law, he would, Bob Sloan will go up to, you know, my wife is Victoria. He'll go up to Officer Victoria and say, Officer Victoria, look, I, Zoe's breaking the law. And um, Officer Victoria watched Zoe. As soon as Zoe did what Officer Victoria thought was a violation of the law, she would handcuff Zoe. She would read him his rights, obviously, the Miranda rights. Um, but she would handcuff me and say, listen, I'm not trying to say whether you were innocent or guilty, but it looked like you broke the law to me. So I'm going to stop you now and we'll let the judge figure out whether or not it, that you did break the law. You know, maybe you get out of jail, too. You, you don't have to sit in jail because you seem like a nice person. Well, who is to stop the federal government when they trespass the people? Who is in place to stop federal tyranny? Who puts the handcuffs on the feds? Is it the judge? Is it the Supreme Court? No, it's our executive branch. They are charged with protecting South Carolinians, even from federal tyranny. That's why you see people flocking to this uh, Ron DeSantis, you know, and I love it. I, it's, it saddens me that we got to look outside of South Carolina to see moral courage in our executive branch right now. But I mean, the guy is doing exactly and standing for exactly what every American who loves liberty, who loves their, their, their life, their liberty, property, who love the principles of our founding, who love the American form of republic with the separation of powers. He's, he's living out the embodiment of what our founders would be doing right now if they were here. And you know what? I believe the spirit of those founders is here. And that's why my message, I believe, is so important to South Carolinians and to our nation is because it's the spirit of liberty that compels me. It's the spirit that compelled our founders to produce this American form of republic. It's the spirit that is a, a, that has a separation of powers to reduce the amount of oppression that's possible of the thing we give the most money. I mean, the federal government can't even pay its own bills. The national government, it, it comes up with agency ideas. It causes us to have to pay for them, and then it doesn't get enough money from us, and it has to take out a promising promissory note in our own and our names causing our money to get decimated that's called inflation so they tax us without legislation they're doing all these things that are violations of our constitution and we allow them to do it and so i think it's time for the i mean you know what they they might even call this domestic terrorism but it's not i, I am not anti-government i'm anti tyrannical government. I am pro-responsible government. And what we've been experiencing is severely irresponsible government. I mean, if my son, if I told my son to do something, right, and I wrote it down, and then I came back and he had done the opposite of it, or done more than I had asked um, and in a negative way, I would chasten him for doing that, right? The federal government thinks I'm their son. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. You're not my parent. 
I don't need to co-parent with the government. You are not our parents. We are your bosses. And if I get elected, I'm going to be serving a bunch of bosses. We are elected to represent the interest of the people. And especially if we're a party, if we have a party, then we should be serving the interest of the platform too. You know, not voting against it. We got folks right now in our party that, you know, the, the Republicans and Democrats are fighting for the same donor base. You know, that's that class of associations and cronies and lobbyists and for, and, you know, the, the, the chambers, they're, they're, they're fighting for that money, the whoever can get the fundraising dollars, right? And so if you can get the checks cut to the RNC or the SCGOP apparatus, especially even, you know, if you can get the checks cut, then they will anoint you, appoint you, and run you, even if you have voted with Democrats 42% of the time over your career. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't call them rhinos anymore. I don't think that really has a lot of meaning. Right now, uh, they will call somebody a rhino if they don't agree with everything that Donald Trump says. You know, they're a rhino. No, listen, I, I love Donald Trump. I think he's an economic genius. I think his endorsements have been garbage. He bets one, he bets, you know, 900 in economics and 100 in endorsements. So I don't agree with everything he says and does. I love what he does in, in the lane that I think he's really good in. You know, but I think a rhino or Republican in name only is not a good term. I call them covenant breakers. We have adulterers in the Republican Party who claim to love our platform and will defend our platform and uphold it. But they go in and they vote contrary to that. They go in and they uh, support things that are contrary to that. They will support Democrats in the general elections uh, against Republicans and not even be chastened by our by the leadership of the SCGOP or the RNC, you know, I, I call them adulterers because they, they say our creed, they, 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 they recite our creed that they will not trade freedom for beneficence. And at the end of the day, they will sell you like cattle. Uh, I, I think that there's a reality that um, they, they like the idea that we could be like free range Chattel. And so if there's enough money, if it's from the CCP, I mean, we got, we got CCP buying thousands of acres of South Carolina farmland. Our pensions are tied up in CCP uh, investment products. <laughs> what is that? We got legislators trying to stop that. And we got an executive branch who's lukewarm to that idea because it might cost us a few jobs. Well, it's going to cost us our liberty if we let it continue. It's going to cost us our sovereignty if we let it go on. A little bit of money from the federal government for the National Guard is not worth killing our guardsmen. I mean, if a, an airman gets a side effect from an emergency use authorized drug, then he cannot seek any remedy in court because it was the UA and he took it. Okay. And so that means that if he gets mild but permanent heart damage, God forbid, myocarditis, his career at FedEx, the $100,000 is over. And his military career flying planes is over. All because we had an executive branch that just, you know, four months later, I wrote him a letter in December, me and Harrison did. Before I was running for office, I was already in a coalition trying to stop that vaccine mandate on the guardsmen. And when he asked me to run, I was like, absolutely. And I put his name on this letter that I wrote. And to be honest with you, like, it took the governor four months to write a strongly worded letter to DOD Chief Austin that he could have wrote in November. And, and in the meantime, we got guardsmen under great pressure. I mean, we were already at 90-something percent compliance by the time he wrote that letter. I think that was strategic too. Why? Because just like his chief of staff, Trey Walker said to a woman who went there advocating for guardsmen and her husband, um, he said, well, there's a lot of money that we get from the, from the federal government for the national guard. So they will sell you if there's enough money. 
if it's the national government they're selling you to or the CCP they're selling you to or some corporate, you know, uh, whatever. It could be some corporation that they gave a thousand acres for a dollar and you can't even get an acre for a thousand dollars. They'll use those people because of the money. So anyway, this message is important because we need to take our nation back from cronies and collectivists. And we're not going to be able to do that if we allow the same battle boy network of cronyists who will, you know, give $75 million to a private law firm uh, to remain in power. If we allow them to be the ones who are choosing the agencies that are doing the audits, that are making the decisions, if we allow them to continue, um, then you know what? You're going to wake up one day and you're going to be way more insecure than you were uh, when you were not essential to them during 2020 COVID. Because you know what? COVID ain't gone away. Uh, Monkeypox is coming and there'll be something after that because they love tyranny by way of emergency response. They love that. You know, power wants to grow more power. So my heart is I want to keep us safe, obviously, but I think we got enough people in South Carolina to make decisions here. You know, our governor 15 day uh, emergency ordered us 33 times and didn't call the legislature in to make any decisions. The legislature is our voice. I mean, he could have done the emergency order. You know, that's fine. But call the legislature together so we have our voice so we can make choices as South Carolinians. Instead, he's taking this counsel from outside of the state, from the NGA, who's attached to Bill Gates at the time. Uh, Andrew Cuomo was the chair of the NGA. You know, but our, our governor is 100 percent beholden to the NGA. I mean, he's he's a co-chair of an arm of the NGA for pandemic recovery with Governor Bashir, a Democrat. And they get their marching orders from uh, Berkham up in in North Dakota and and um, and uh, Bill Gates, who's his buddy, you know. And so we got a, an apparatus uh, that is being used by people that are outside of our our state through our executives currently in office. So we need a change guys. We got plenty of smart, uh, plenty of talented uh, people in South Carolina to draw our wisdom from. We don't need to look outside of South Carolina. If you elect a Harrison Musselwhite for governor, then you'll have someone more like Ron DeSantis in South Carolina, someone less like uh, Gretchen Whitmer. You know, there's a reason why our policies in South Carolina looked a lot more like Michigan than South Dakota or, or looks a lot more like Oregon than Florida um, all the way into August of last year, to be honest with you. And it's because, you know, we got, we got a governor, we have an executive branch right now that's getting their marching orders from outside of South Carolina, that blurring of the boundaries of our Republic. And they're using this pandemic response to put in infrastructure. They wanted to put in smart cards. I mean, we wouldn't even have known about this stuff unless somebody from outside of our state and found that information and reported it to us. You know, the, our executive branch didn't tell us. They didn't warn us. No hue and cry about the CCP buying up all our, all our farmland. No hue and cry about our pensions being tied up in, you know, CCP investment products. No hue and cry. Nothing. No warning. And they would not tell you. The only reason we know is because they got found out. So anyway, with that said, we're hoping that you will consider us because our heart is for South Carolina to be first. We love it. We're, we're America first, but we are South Carolina first. Because if we don't get South Carolina right, we're done. I mean, right now, look at election integrity. <laughs> you got 48 days to vote, right? Donald Trump says he wants one day election, paper ballot, you know, no thing.
Right now, we just got an election integrity bill passed, and they're all hooping and hollering and cheering about it. Wanted you to, to send a message to your legislator and give them a high five, but you got 48 days to vote, right? And if you're in a municipal election, which is where pretty much all of our tax money is getting spent, you got 48 hours to prove and report election shenanigans and fraud. <laughs> you know, back when there was only a day to vote, 48 hours may be good, but now they got 48 days to pull off shenanigans on us and you only got 48 hours to get it figured out and report it. I think that's a problem, but they obviously don't think it's a problem. They think you should be rejoicing. So anyway, I'm not rejoicing with that, but I am rejoicing that we got a bunch of patriots in South Carolina who are ready to take our government back and do what makes sense and not just what makes dollars. Thank you for your, for your, your time and your attention. I hope that this message, uh, it finds you well and, uh, vote for Harrison muscle white in the primaries on June 14th. And then you'll be able to, you know, help us do what needs to be done in South Carolina to preserve our liberty. All right. Awesome, Zoe. Thank you very much. Listen, we got we got like a minute left. Okay. Tell the voters where they could reach you, how they can find out more information about Zoe Warren. Absolutely. If you go to votetruckerbob.com, a votetruckerbob.com, Harrison. Uh, owned a multi-state, multi-million dollar business. His wife got sick with an incurable disease. She almost died five times. And in the midst of that, he decided to sell the business and take care of his wife and children. When she got well, she got somehow she survived a, a fatal, no, there's no cure for it, a fatal disease. When she got well, he went and became a truck driver. And now he's a truck driver, dr- truck driver trainer. And he's trained over 250 drivers. So we call him Trucker Bob because that's the handle they gave him on the road. So votetruckerbob.com. Again, votetruckerbob.com. You can read our platform, find out more about us. You can also go to zowarren.com and you can just kind of read up on who I am. I've got some stuff on there about me and my family. You can see my wife and my three kids. zowarren.com. But if you want to read our platform, go to votetruckerbob.com. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bob. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the South Carolina Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Sloan. If you have any questions about what you heard here today, email me at bob at bobsloan.com. That's B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E dot com. You can find out more about what we do here at Bob Sloan Audio Productions on my website at bobsloan.com. Again, thank you for listening. And make sure you follow, share, and leave a review.